Watching Tottenham on a Wednesday night. You're playing Thursday because you're... For- oh, hello, good <laughs> evening, and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm joined by Gareth, James and Milo. Hello, chaps. Oh, yeah. oh what a night, Steph. Hi, Steph. Oh, what a night, eh? <laughs> oh, we'll finish that song later, probably about another 500 times before I hit the hay. Um, it was always going to be about the managers, wasn't it, boys? And so it is that Tottenham Hotspur, with the stewardship of Antonio Conte, will return to the Champions League in 2022-23 after a 5-0 stuffing of hapless Norwich, who frankly performed like one of Delia Smith's best roasted turkeys. No lasagna gate, no Spursy, nothing other than total control. And we will be looking back at both that and Sonny's joint golden boot afternoon, even though Sonny should have it all to himself because he didn't take a penalty this season and Mo Salah took loads. Right, chaps? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, we're ripping ahead. So I'm going to rip into this. <laughs> and just, I'm so... I'm, that's, uh, da, 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 da. There's another one, Ode to Joy by Beethoven. How many more songs can we have tonight, chaps? Help me out. Don't subject our listeners to only my singing voice. Um, And, you know, first of all, before you you can think about your songs, you know, because there's an intro question. So think about your songs and the answer to this intro question. Milo, tell me something that you think is underrated. Nuno Espirito Santo. (laughs) As dry as a car's water biscuit, you'll now have to explain that. Well, I had had finished. You just jumped in before you gave me a chance to. I'm excited. That was just a pause to build a dramatic tension. Oh, sorry, Hank. Do you want to try that again? <laughs> no, and I'll give you a drum roll. <laughs> you fucked it now. <laughs> um, fucked which it is, with joy. That's the title which, of the pod. Fucked it with joy. Yeah. Anyway, good grief. I don't say I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to kink shame you, Steph. But that was no. more than I needed to know. <laughs> um, Nuno Espirito Santo. Uh, he's underrated because if he was any good at management, we wouldn't have Conte right now, and we wouldn't be in the Champions League. Deft. And actually, very accurate start. That, that, my friends, is Milo in a nutshell. Deft and accurate. Dry. Even cunning, I may say. Uh, I'll explain that in a little moment. Uh, Gareth, tell me something that you think is underrated. Okay, handbrake turn. Um, and apologies to some of our international listeners here, because I don't know whether you, whether you get this, but the most underrated chocolate bar in, in certainly in the UK is a topic bar which should be far more prominent. I mean, I've always thought of them as sort of the thinking man Snickers, which I also enjoy, by the way. But um, <laughs> topics were um, were discontinued in the, um, not the celebrations box, the heroes box, probably around circa 2000 and replaced by, by, by something far uh, inferior. And for me, a, a topic bar is um, is one of the best confectionery bars on the market in the UK. And I think it is very underrated and I'd like to see more of them. What's got a hazelnut in every bite, Gareth? Uh, I think a topic has. Uh, no, I think it's squirrel shit, actually, is the answer that you're looking for. So, uh, anyway, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you did. Thank you very much for that. James, good morning. Good morning. Can I just say... When, good morning, uh, Irvine. The, the, the Irvine Welsh of our troop. He's not been to sleep for a couple of days, in, filled with excitement for this game in Australia, upside down, always up. <laughs> and here he is to tell us something that is underrated. In well, his when Gareth just said handbrake turn, I actually thought he was talking about handbrake turns. And I thought that was fucking brilliant. So I'm, I might say that, to be honest. I mean, I've, I haven't done one since I was about 18 in my, my Vauxhall Nova on a gravel clifftop park, car park. And it felt like a lot of fun. But at the time, my gran, who was in the car, didn't enjoy it that much. But um, yeah, so handbrake turns in a Vauxhall Nova, very underrated. I got a lot of enjoyment out of them. 
Oh, well, very good. That's two handbrakes underrated. Crikey. Well, I'll tell you what's underrated, gentlemen. I'll tell you, I think my sense of humour and my overall humour is underrated. And the cunning Milo cuts so much of it on the floor that our listeners are deprived of what could be a full pod of my fantastic humour and singing. <laughs> that was the sound of crickets, um, because that's actually probably a load of bullshit. Um, what is underrated? Sharp, sharp cheddar is underrated. The delight of sharp cheddar on a really, really good cracker that complements it. Sunsets are underrated. Eric Dyer's underrated. Life is underrated right now. You know why? You know why? Because we are back in the Champions fucking League. That's why everything is underrated, right? Because we're back in the Champions League. Oh. There it is. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. That won't be there the last time you hear that this morning. No, it certainly won't be. It won't be. I suppose we should look back at the week that was, um, uh, even though um, we're just so focused on the fact we're back in the Champions League. I mentioned that, didn't I? Um, Jake Daniels, last Monday, the 17-year-old Blackpool forward, became the first British footballer to come out as a gay man since Justin Fashioner in 1990. We just wanted to say how much we admire Jake and we want to send him our love and support from this little corner of the Spurs family. And it is notable that a couple of the players, I believe, uh, Kane and Dyer also came out mm. pretty quickly with statements of support, which is brilliant. This is a great thing. Um, for those of you who are old enough to remember Justin Fashionu's uh, troublesome time in British football, it really is a, a tragedy. Um, it's a tragic story. And uh, any advances we make with regards to people being freer to be who they are is a great, great thing. We would all agree with that, right? Absolutely, yeah. Excellent. Uh, in other news, it was very um, cu- it was curious, this actually. It was um, Choma Ubagagu, the Spurs and England forward, has been suspended from football for nine months for taking a banned substance. Uh, it's curious because she was taking an anti-acne treatment that is a banned substance because it can apparently also be used as a masking agent. But Ubagagu herself has had acne issues since she was uh, very young and has used it consistently. The FA hearing found that Ubagagu had used the substance innocently, but should have checked with authorities that it was appropriate for use. Her suspension was announced at the end of a disciplinary process, but has been in place since the beginning of the year and thus will run only until October. Following the hearing, Choma said, quote, I want to make clear that the medication had no performance enhancing effects for me, but I still made the mistake of not being as diligent as possible. And as a result, I am unable to play the game I love until I serve my suspension. While my dermatologist is aware of my profession, it is also my responsibility to know more about the medications I am prescribed. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting story and uh, uh, it's unfortunate, but I suppose the rules are the rules. And it seems that a little bit of common sense has been applied because if I'm not incorrect, that punishment could have been a lot longer. I think it could be a couple of years, can't it? Yeah. So there was some mitigation of the circumstances taken into account. Um, so we move on and, and good luck to her uh, and you know, look forward to seeing her back. Jermaine Defoe. Love saying that name. We love Jermaine. And something we missed mentioning last week was that he was a guest on Sky's coverage at the Burnley game and at halftime revealed that he has been in talks with Spurs about returning to the club to take up a role coaching in the academy. Jermaine returning to the club as a coach has been rumoured since he announced his retirement earlier this year. So it's nice to hear it confirmed from the man himself. As we have mentioned numerous times on this pod before, Jermaine is a model professional and we are sure that he has loads to offer young players in terms of helping their development and, let's face it, helping them hit the old onion bag. 
What a nice use of the cliche that was, right? Girl, you're all so passive. Lads, we're going to the Champions League. Come on, pick it up. <laughs> yes, let's have it. Come on, let's have a little bit of like tub thumping and knee thumping and let's get to Norwich. Let's get to the theatre of dreams that was Carrow Road today. If you're a Tottenham supporter, if you're a Norwich supporter, it was a rather sedate Sunday afternoon, which would have been better spent um, having a Sunday roast, I imagine, a late one. Um, and not being the Sunday roast, if you will, because they were carved apart by a ruthless and efficient Tottenham Hotspur Football Club today. Chaps, there was a bit of drama earlier in the week with stories that Kane and a few other players and coaches had caught the stomach bug that put Decky on the bench last week. Were you concerned? No, not really, because I think I trusted our medical staff to to manage that. Um, I think the fact that the stomach bug was as early on in the week if it was anything at all was a good thing I think if we'd first heard those stories overnight as we as we did back in 2006 there'd be more to con- be concerned about but no I, I, you know, I trust our medical staff to, to have managed that and it appears that they have done. Yeah if you think back to last week yeah we played on the Thursday and then on the Sunday and Decky had it in between and was fit enough to be on the bench on the Sunday yeah, I think it was was it Thursday or Friday when the story came out around uh, around Kane. So I was pretty pretty confident that he'd be okay. Containing his press conference for the for this game was was pretty certain, yeah, pretty clear that he'd be playing. So yeah, wasn't wasn't too worried. No, it was one of those one of those weeks where I avoided all the the chit chat and just let it uh, let it resolve itself. And out came the starting eleven, and it was basically the uh, the team that we'd all all have picked for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I got just another side point here. I mean, how much of the past histories and the attempts to goad us into sort of being, you know, jelly botted, if you will. I mean, fans, not, not players. I mean, there was plenty of hope, I think, in the rest of the world that our players would have a lasagna gate episode. It seemed like half the world was begging for it. Um, but how much of that did you actually feel in general? The whole Spursy thing, which, by the way, let's hope we fuck that off once and for all. And I use the F word uh, very, very accurately in this particular moment. Well, I come to bury Spursy. That's what I'm here for today. Good. And and, and I hand you another shovel and I'd like it to continue. <laughs> I'll dig a big hole. You lot chuck it in and then fill it in after me. Um, yeah. It's bullshit. I mean, every other club has um, has, has wobbles. Bullshit. You know, if you look at you know, the clubs that pick up the most trophies in this country, it's the ones that spend the most. And, uh, you know, compared to what we spend, we massively overperform. But we're in a league that's financially doped. If you look at how we've performed this season... I think we've shown incredible mental strength to kind of come back from where we were in the late autumn, early winter. And, you know, I think this, this run that we've been on, um, yeah, these last couple of months has been remarkable. It's just bullshit. But, you know, like everything, once there's a narrative, it's easy to, to frame a story around a narrative. And I think this is kind of where we've all got a responsibility, which is not to perpetuate the narrative and not to sign up to it. Right. You know, because that gives it legs. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I completely agree. Gareth James, I mean, did you did you start to feel that there was a little bit of hope out there that we would have like a Spursy day, like a lasagna game? I mean, was it any would it was it any more than it would be for anyone for us? I mean, are we taking it too personally? Does the world just generally love to see misfortune in these moments, or does it seem like everyone wants a pile in on us? I think it was a bit of not not history repeating itself in terms of the scenario, but it was either us or Arsenal to get that top four and it didn't need a hugely complicated series of results to to swing it either way um I mean this manager is the definition of non-spursiness which which definitely helps and he's got us um he's got us thinking playing training 
existing in a different way to, unfortunately, virtually every other manager we've ever had. And he doesn't accept sloppiness. He doesn't entertain the idea of a, of a fuck-up against a already relegated club who, you know, will probably go into it, but certainly didn't make things that difficult for us. Um, but with with all of that considered, there was still a very good chance when you're playing away at a Premier League club that they could have nicked a goal and Arsenal went and won their game comfortably and that would have that would have been enough. It's beyond, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we could have lost that. So I'll just say, can I just come on quickly on that Conte point? Because I don't think it is just Conte, you know, who's non-Spursy. You know, Harry Kane's non-Spursy, Son's non-Spursy, you know, Kulu's non-Spursy, Hoybier's non-Spursy, Benson Kerr's non-Spursy, you know, Romero's non-Spursy. You know, you go right the way through that team now. There's plenty of, plenty of players there who've got, you know, real character and real leadership. But you would have to agree that the binding factor of, of all of these players in finding their feet has been Conte, who has overcome a couple of really embarrassing bumps with those players. Let's be honest. I mean, everyone after we lost to Brighton was apoplectic and thinking, oh, it's done, it's done. And, and you know, I did maintain hope that the manager would get us across the line, but that wasn't the first bump we'd had under him in the league. Let's, let's not go too far into this because this is part of the season review that we were trying to avoid. So... To your point, we do have a lot more non-Spursy players. But also, you've got to bear in mind that progress isn't linear. You don't, you know, you don't get better in a straight line. There's peaks and troughs along no. the way, and, and yes. you know that's what we've seen. And Antonio has done it in a short amount of time, and I, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that Antonio probably made us all feel a lot calmer going into this final game of the season than we might have been with most other managers. I mean, I think that would be a fair comment with regards to this particular game, and we can probably park that. And, and, and I mean, in hindsight, it would be the, it, you know, it's obviously exact. It's a fact. But, you know, uh, by the way, I'd like to I'd like to congratulate Mikel Arteta's um, fantastic attempt at psychology before the game by saying that all the pressure is on us and so on and so forth. Back in the small boys chair, if you will, uh, you can eat at the small boys dinner table and maybe in the next couple of years you'll have a chance to dine at the big table again. But, you know, enough of that nonsense, Mikel. You've been outschooled this season and indeed today. I just want to point out anything they can do, we can do better. They win 5-1, we win 5-0. They can't even keep a clean sheet against an Everton side who were half on holiday and half in recovery from mm. Thursday night, which is part of this Norwich game. And I see Gareth's got his pen up. No, I wanted to answer the original question by saying that I was I was I comforted myself this morning by looking back at um, how frequently teams go into the final game of the season in that fourth spot and then don't actually end up finishing fourth. So since England got four Champions League spaces, which was 2002, there's only been one occasion that the team who started the final day of the season, the morning of it, hasn't then gone on to finish fourth, which was tragically Lasagna Gate back in back in 2006. So it's usually it's an indication that the teams who are fourth are there because they're a pretty good and they're usually pretty consistent and they can they can handle those sorts of situations. The other thing that jumped out at me as well is in the last eighteen years now, there's been eight occasions when us and Arsenal have could potentially have traded places on the final day of the season. So sometimes it's been it's been really critical for fourth place. Last year it was I think who came seventh or or eighth but now in three years in a row or that's three times in a row that we've managed to get above Arsenal or finish above Arsenal on the final day when they could have jumped above us with them having done it five times before us so actually the statistics and the data indicated that by us being in that driving seat coming into the literally the final 
final corner, we were odds on to, to get the job done today. We're actually quite good on the last day of the season, aren't we? Since that Newcastle 5-1 fuck-up, we, I think we've basically won every... Yeah, New, Newcastle's the only one we've lost since 2010 when we lost at Burnley in what was essentially a dead rubber yeah, in 2010. Gareth, you said uh, us and Arsenal have been trading places on the last day of the season. Let it be very clear. We are Eddie Murphy and Arsenal are Dan Aykroyd, pissed, (laughs) dressed as Santa with a giant fish stuck under his tunic, sticking out of the top of his uh, near his beard and stinking to high heaven. That's the trading places image that you need to put in your mind, right? (laughs) I'm still distracted by your last cultural reference referring to James as, <laughs> James in the Irving Welsh thing because I, I with the, for the <laughs> our listeners can't see this but it's, it, the lighting James has got today is rather rather special yeah. and uh, with the camera angle I've, I've got the spud um, speedy interview scene in my head <laughs> and I, I'm just waiting for James to say I leisure take pleasure in your pleasure. leisure <laughs> leisure is my pleasure yeah I think that James I think that James is looking very very happy about the fact that Tottenham are in the Champions League and in the Champions League ahead of Arsenal Arsenal fucked it they fucked it they completely imploded on Thursday at, 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 at Whitehart Lane they completely imploded and then they went to Newcastle and they fucked it again they fucked it and and their 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 demise is my pleasure and pleasure is my oh god I'm just like stop Steph I'm Norwich Chaps, were Norwich our perfect opponents today? What I mean, what a load of pony. I mean, I know we throttled them to death in the first 10 minutes, but they were pony, right? Fair play to their supporters for even turning up and watching <laughs> that team because they are error-prone, aren't they? I mean, we, we oh. essentially had 13 players on the pitch, I think. It was, they were just teeing <laughs> them up. Fuck yeah, they, they they were awful. You would have wanted them or you wanted Watford, who actually bizarrely gave Chelsea a bit of a game today. Um, mm. <clears throat> but to try and link this question with the last one you asked about, was, was there ever going to be a Spursy loss? And I think when we've seen those really insipid Spurs performances, it's because there's usually the same ingredients. So you usually have a really partisan home crowd. He's going to have- say Tim Krull. You have a really, really slow and insipid performance from Spurs and a really low tempo from the kickoff. Often we see five or six changes and there's probably a focus on a game that's either just been or just coming and we often don't score in the first 30 minutes. So the fact that none of those things happened today um, meant that, yeah, Norwich are an absolute dream opponent to play. Mm. Although, you know, bear in, bear in mind, you know, Arsenal put five past Norwich earlier in the year, so it's not as if we've been Enough. given... Enough, if, No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm Nothing saying, positive about given, Arsenal. Nothing because positive. if we've been given an easy hand here, we're, we're, we're only playing a team that our competi- direct competitors have, have spanked equally throughout the season. So, I mean, it's just a fact that it was the final day of the season. I don't think really it's one thing nor the other. I think they've been everyone's ideal opponents all the way through the year, haven't they? From our point of view, yeah, they're great because they don't set up to defend for 90 minutes and hit you on the break. They they try to play football, but without any clear game plan. And we just cut through them at ease. In terms of kind of the 13 players, the, the, Tim Krul for the second goal was hilarious. Um, particularly him having a go at his defence afterwards when he yeah, given a suicidal pass to Benton. That was that was the quintessential. I fucked up, so I'm going to yell really loudly, and so as hopefully the cameras forget that and just show me yelling and calling everyone else out. Yeah, and, and just in a sign a sign of how com- comfortable I was with the whole game. So early on with um, your know, Hoybier shot, so where uh, Decky had done yes. the really nice work out on the yes. on the wing, cut in and. Hoybier probably should have passed to Sun before he dribbled across the box. But just out of view on that, one of the Norwich players, I think it was Sam Byram coming back in, took out uh, Chris Kavanagh, 
just absolutely clattered him and knocked him to the ground. And, it, it, you know, ref getting knocked over is, is a highlight in any game, but particularly one where, <laughs> you know, the sun, the sun's out, everyone's having a bit of a party, you, you know, you're on your way to the Champions League and, uh, ah. and a ref goes ass over tit. It's just um, brilliant. All you need is a dog running onto the pitch and you've had the perfect afternoon. Yeah, the sun was out and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I have to ask, I mean, you know, you saw Tim Krull to be kind, got to get him today. And at first, I have to say, I did wonder. It was the only fleeting moment I thought, let's just hope he doesn't have one of his like Newcastle era performances against us. It was, I can't remember which season. It, I think it was, uh, was it a Martin Yole season? 2013-14. Oh, oh it, was, so it was an AVB. Remembrance, Remembrance Sunday. Yeah, it was, it was the dying embers of AVB's era. And he just, I mean, it seemed like... I mean, he seemed like he had eight. It was an octopus. I mean, it was an ultimate octopus performance, and uh, and uh, so that's what made his absolutely uh, hilarious gaffe for the second goal even better. Was that um, you know he was being kind and not cruel to us. Do you think it shows the the gap between the Premier League and the Championship? The fact that this time last season they'd finished top on ninety seven points, so they'd kind of done what Fulham have done this season. It's um, you know they're clearly not completely useless they they've got the same sort of players and it's their financial model though they're actually set up to do this they're quite happy to yo-yo between the two leagues because you know they pick up the parachute payments as long as they get promoted during that period then they're done well and they when they come up they don't spend a fortune so mm. you know they're, they're spending you know championship money in the in the premier league so you know that's their business model and you've got to say it yeah, works they very had well only skipped them. last year as well yeah mm. good point i'm hoping that we'll send them you know sar or someone like that next year because you know they're a decent enough club and um you know close enough to london yeah i think it's, it's somewhere we ought to try and build links with and and get some players you know get players some experience it's a curious place norwich actually because it is only 110 miles someone said from white hart lane door to door however it is one of the mm. single most awkward grounds to drive to from london because there's no direct it's all a roads isn't it i mean it's, it takes it, it takes well over yeah. two hours to drive there it's not mm. an easy place to get to always stop off at the linton travel tavern which is equidistance between london and norwich of course is it really <laughs> Right, I like that. That's a cultural reference. Then. That's good. That's good <laughs> cultural reference indeed. One quick question that I think we are put out there and uh, is about Max Aaron's. Um, did we see anything to convince us that he's worth a pickup? No. The moment has passed, isn't it? Yeah. We, we're yeah, beyond yeah. that. We are beyond that. Um, we're totally beyond that. I mean, he's been priced out of a move by Norwich a few times, hasn't he? And yeah. I think you know he, he should have left probably. The last time they got relegated. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna be spending money, you know, Jed Spence or you know, there's a couple of other you know kind of young English yeah. right backs knocking around who you know look. Yeah, look yeah. Value. I just wonder because he's he's been linked with this a bunch of times and he was you know he was he was in the game today as much as yeah, any not... Norwich player could be. I mean, we were. I thought the most impressive thing for me about today was the way that we just set about our task from minute one to minute ninety. And by the way, Chris Kavanagh, you need a ticking off. Because with those extra three minutes, perhaps Sun Young Min would not have to share his golden boot. Perhaps mm. he would have been able to get it outright. I mean, that's that's three minutes of added time that even the substitutions alone would have counted for that he should have had. He was every bit like I am when I'm kind of getting towards the end of the day before I'm just about to go off on holiday. <laughs> it was a bit, wasn't it? It was a little mm. bit of like, let's wrap this up. Yeah. I didn't know that refs had that that authority. I didn't know they could just say, oh, don't worry about it. You've, you've had enough. It's brilliant. I've got to tell you, there's a, a writer called Magnus Mills, who I've eulogised here before, um, and he wrote a book called The Scheme for Full Employment, which is basically about a company that is set up with trucks that move parts from one depot to the other. 
within their own company, but they're all on a time frame, yeah? And this one driver decides that because he always has to sit for five minutes at the end of his shift, he's going to start five minutes early and he's going to quit five minutes early and it throws the whole system into chaos. For some reason, I got a bit of that feeling when I saw Chris Kavanagh today. Has he thrown the Premiership into chaos? Will we see this happen again in in five nil games or whatever? I mean, individual records are important. It, it happens reasonably regularly. I mean, I think what we couldn't see was Dean Smith throwing in the towel by the um, by the sideline <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's but but I still think Sonny. Oh, I I think that anyway, I shouldn't find things to bitch about today because uh, once again, Norwich nil, Tottenham Hotspur five, Champions League football back where we belong. Uh, let's eulogise Sonny for a moment. What a season! I mean, I think we'd all agree that. Uh, and I was speaking to a Liverpool supporting friend of mine who even agreed. You know, in the truest sense, he is the Golden Boot winner because he didn't take any penalties this season. Not saying penalties aren't important, but. Sonny didn't get any penalties, all pure. Yeah, but what a what a what a season! Who's going to kick off on the Sun eulogy? I, I just wonder what left to be said about him. At least you know internally, we've recognised his importance and his his, his brilliance. And I've, I'll certainly record again. I think he'll have to go down as the greatest signing we've ever made. Yeah, that is a benchmark statement. Yeah, he, he's not going to end up as our greatest goal scorer of all time. Um, he plays in a fairly unique position that it's difficult to compare him to some of our great forwards of the past because uh, the role has evolved so naturally. But yeah, certainly as a certainly as a signing, he is for me. He, he he's our number one signing, certainly of the Premier League era. Yeah, I mean, you look at that front three, and I mean, it's a match. It's a match for anyone in the league. You you know, you you compare it, say, the Liverpool front three, and you wouldn't say theirs was better. You know, there's not much. There's a fact paper between them, isn't there, really? Uh, and Son is, yeah, well, just irreplaceable. He, he's absolutely unbelievably good and has you know, consistently improved. You know, he's a good player when he joined us, but he's consistently improved every season, really, since he's joined us. And, you know, he's he's evolved as the, as the team's evolved. And... Yeah, I think to, you know, to put the golden boot in context, there's been at times this season where Conte has been playing him in a position that probably doesn't play to his strengths either, where he was, you know, dropping deep and playing with his back to goal. So to achieve that when at times he's had to sacrifice himself a little bit for the team is remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And, um, you wouldn't bet him, bet against him having another kind of five or six years in him either as well. He's, there's not a, you know, ounce of fat on him. He looks, you know, very fit, very lean. He's still as quick as he ever was. You wouldn't rule him out doing a Ronaldo and playing when he's 37, would you? Yeah. The only thing I'd add to that is just the, the variety of goals he scores over, you know, a season like this one as well. It's, it, there's so many amazing goals in there. I mean, you kind of saw that second one coming when he, he kind of came in cut inside from the from the left and you knew he was going for that top corner I mean he's done that fairly regularly but he's he's lethal from outside the box like like no player we've had since I mean, he's better than Ericsson isn't he he's um that second son goal is hilarious because it was pukey um marking him he just again like comedy if son could have picked a player from their side to be marking him at that moment that's who he would have picked it's interesting as well he kept his composure because before that he'd had a couple of chances that i actually one of which the the one-on-one in the second half Mm. uh, i think was a slightly rushed finish from him and then he'd had uh, he actually pulled a great save out of crawl when he made a really great connection from kane's cross probably a little too good and the commentator we had made the point that had he scuffed it it would have gone in so he'd had a few moments and you could you know look I think that Kulisewski had that moment where it was harder to fuck up than it was to trip over the ball. And, and uh, sorry, Kulisewski had that moment where it was 
Well, no, it was. It was harder to fuck up. And he did. He managed to. He tripped over the ball. I think he was caught in two minds, wanting to pass Sonny in for a goal and wanting to shoot. So. That also could have uh, got a little bit weird, but it didn't. And Sonny stuck to the task and, 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 and got his just reward. And at the same time, worked really hard for the team. That was very impressive to me. He looked mm-hmm. primarily focused on working for the team until it was clear that we were not in trouble anymore. I like that. That's very important. It's an important quality. A large part of why Poch brought him in the first place, wasn't it? it was his work rate is incredible as part of the press. And I mean, I, I think he deserves to be in the Champions League. He's too good a footballer not to be. So we know that oh, yeah. next season he's um, he's going to comfortably fit back into the, uh, into that shirt. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I, I brought up uh, uh, Kulisewski, who is indeed another player that uh, will enjoy uh, being back in the Champions League, I'm sure. Uh, nice that he's going to be in our shirt. Let's talk about his uh, performance today. Very important uh, uh, early goal, I think, to settle whatever mm-hmm. nerves we might have had. And wow, wow, we were. What a finish, especially having uh, tripped over the ball in said fuck up a minute earlier. That second goal was saying else, wasn't it? Really, really nice. Really nice. Um, and I would say I rewatched the goals earlier on, main, mainly just to see Chris Kavanagh fall, fall over his ass. But um, uh, I think they, I think Decky's second goal was better than Sonny's second goal, and Sonny's second goal was pretty special. Mm. That front three is, is just perfect. They complement each other so well, so well. I, I know. Well, it's the last. It's the last show of the season, isn't it? It's the last show of the season, so we, we can re, we can rehash things we've said before, cover some old ground. But yeah, it's a it's a magic front three. Both of their good goals illustrate the um the the threat that they both pose from either flank, doesn't it? Cutting in and putting it in the you know the far top corner. I thought with Decky's first goal that I mean Bentinker had the freedom of bloody Norfolk, but um. The, the pass that he played to Decky wasn't ideal. He kind of he almost no, put it under it his, under you know a bit behind him, and he had dug to it, dig it, it out. Trend, but it was a yeah. it was a crucial goal that just to settle our nerves nice and early. Well, it was the it was the quintessential dug it out from behind him, wasn't it? I mean, he really mm. had to like he had to to be able to read the 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 pace of a missed pass or a misplaced pass in that moment. He's got this this sort of weirdly great sense of timing, uh, Kulusevski, and. And it, he never looks fast enough to get to a ball, but he gets there. It looks like something's not going to make it to him. He makes it. He's got a, this brilliant timing thing in his, in, in, his, in his... He's a lot quicker than he looks, though, isn't he? I think, it, yeah, I think he's he at is. least as quick as Kane is, if not a little bit quicker. It's just, I think it's just his body shape, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you look at look at us when we break, he's keeping up with uh, with the break most of the time. At that point you were making James about kind of goals coming from right across the front three. I think again that's where the kind of parallels with Liverpool's front three really holds up now, and and what we lacked when we had Mora there rather than Decky. Um, you know, we didn't have those that that goal threat. Uh, it's just a lovely blend. Apologies to Gary Doherty and apologies to uh, Devin Kulisevsky for even pondering the fact that he might be the new uh, GP, which was something that I pondered. I remember remember saying early doors, the jury was out for me with him. I wasn't sure in the first few games. I mean, neither should I have been, neither should any of us have been. But my word, he's gone on to make damn sure that I'm sure now. What a player. Yeah, what a player indeed. You talk, talk about the strike and the way he dug it out. Again, it's something that I've mentioned earlier in, the, earlier in the season, but I do wonder whether he can develop into a player who could play centrally and you know whether we might see him you know, either as a false nine or as a you know a, a kind of more orthodox number ten at some you know in some games at some point in the yeah. near future. 
Yeah, to be discussed, I'm sure, in uh, what will doubtless be a, a series of uh, discussions we're going to be having this summer about the way things are taking shape at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club under Antonio Conte. It's very exciting. Uh, once again, uh, fuck the Proletariat Conference League. Uh, for those of you who heard us refer to it over the last season, um, just in case you're in any shadow of a doubt, that was a title given to it. So as we could take an optimist point of view, uh, it is indeed a piffling little, uh, little um, tournament, which uh, we're glad... It's way behind us. We're back to hobnobbing where we should be with the bourgeois in the Champions League. We're not football hypocrites, are we? Um, and that actually means we may even get a Saturday 3 p.m. kickoff. Gareth <laughs> has one fist <laughs> pumping in the air. He's already planning his weekend around that. Are you excited about that? Is that the best bit of Champions League qualification for you? The return to somewhat maybe normalcy now and again in the schedule? Yeah, well, we've famously gone since December 2019 without a Saturday three o'clock game at home. Um, of course, the time of it didn't quite work for me because my son's now playing under eights football and they're on Saturday morning. So hopefully there won't be a clash where we're sent to the other side of Hertfordshire for a, for oh. a 12 o'clock kickoff on the same day. Would, that would be, should you uh, stay or should you go? I've cracked that musical joke before, but you just walk right into it. What would you do? Who would you pick? Um, well, as you know, I do have match day responsibilities. So I, at, at at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, so I think I'd have to be there. He's it's his second year of playing now. He's he's got enough good friends and parents who we trust that could take him there and back. So just look at him before you walk out the door. Put two hands on his shoulders, remove one of them, and just tap your forehead and just look at him sternly and say, "Mentality, son," and turn around and leave, and your job's done, right? As you walk out the door to desert your son as he plays his morning game because you're going to go and watch the mighty Tottenham Hotspur. How old is he, Gareth? <laughs> well, he's, 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 he's seven, so he'll be going into under eights next year. So it's getting towards that sort of stage in a kid's life where you can tell if he's going to make it or not. Oh, I think we can already tell he's, he's not, he's not going to make it. But, <laughs> oh, well, um, it. You, you, you're going to what? for the game. Bloody <laughs> hell, James Irvine Welsh down here making careers by the age of eight. Nice <laughs> Goodness. Well, not just that. <laughs> the- <laughs> Writing him off. At the age of eight. He doesn't listen to yeah. the pod, does he? Yeah. Well, don't worry. He... Don't worry about him. It's not about food. Go to watch Spurs. Go watch Spurs. Spurs are going to be in the Champions League. Their pleasure is my leisure, right? I'm excited for Gareth that we got this 3pm kickoff. I mean, for me, it makes no difference. I think it just means that the games no, are on so, at yeah. about fucking one in the yeah. morning or two in the morning. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's Look, I mean, it, wait, look, one, one thing that can't let this pod go without is another mention of the mighty Eric Dyer. Um, another imperious performance at the back against absolutely nothing, I may point out. Uh, and we did see Benjamin Davis, though, put in another one of his increasingly customary fantastic blocks ben for the block. a pile-driving opposition shot. Ben the Block Davis, correct, yes. It's important to be magnanimous in victory, yeah? I mean, we must be magnanimous and we mustn't shove it too far down our neighbours' throats. But um, I suppose I should ask, I mean... I, how much are you all looking forward to watching All for Nothing? All or nothing. No, it's not all or nothing. It's all for nothing. That's the new title <laughs> of it. it. Goodness gracious. <laughs> you see, the zingers are coming. He's trying to cut my humour. Now you know why I said underrated at the beginning of this pod. Okay, we'll say it accurately. The show is called technically All or Nothing, but actually, for the goons, it was all for nothing. <laughs> is it available on DVD? All or nothing? All for nothing? Because <laughs> I'll pre-order. 
It's going to be a beautiful watch, especially especially the last 15 minutes when they, they go to the crucial deciding Champions oh, League no. game at the new Tottenham Stadium, and we know what oh. fucking happens. Yeah. I really oh. hope we let them have the cameras in the dressing room for that game as well. Mm. Oh, I, I just, I just all of it from start to finish. It's possibly the, my, the most eagerly anticipated piece of television, uh, <laughs> I say drama I've got coming this this year. Am I correct? Is it the same for everyone? I think even more so. I remember the tweet when they first announced they were doing it at the start of the year. It was the Arsenal Twitter account that basically said, "You spoke, we listened." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Brilliant. I mean, I haven't even looked at the internet this morning since I've woken up, but this is going to be a beautiful you couple spoke, of days. We listened. Oh, dearie me. I mean, yeah, I think the question is, is what's going to be the best? What's going to be the best episode? I mean, obviously, they'll probably try and cram the whole of kind of the last couple of weeks, won't they, into one episode? So that's going to be a real zinger. I think the, yeah. the Monday, Monday was wonderful at St. James's Park and, and the meltdown afterwards, but. I think probably what's going to be sweetest is the kind of hubris that we, we're going to get before that. There's going to be a good couple of episodes covering from kind of Christmas through to um, kind of Easter where they're going to be um, really big potatoes and um, them watching it fall to pieces is going to be sweet. Yeah, I mean, I think that not that the game is about glory wants to get into creative uh, direction of any um, major network or, or content provider. But if we could suggest to the Amazon producers of All for Nothing, uh, sorry, All or Nothing, All for Nothing, the Arsenal season, All or Nothing, the Arsenal documentary. You know, you say, Milo, I probably will compress the Newcastle game into ours. Without it, was, it was pretty much a, a, an episode covered a month, more or less. Right. Apart from Poch, which they kind of just uh, they did in the pre-titles credits, didn't they? As you were saying, they will probably compress the two into one episode. But if we could give some editorial direction, I mean, I, I really suge- would suggest to Amazon their viewership will increase. You know, I think if they were to give the North London Derby and the Newcastle game two hour. separate shows, yeah. uh, well, I'd say two separate shows. Why not spend an hour on each? I mean, in the, com- the comedy. Comedy is tragedy, and nothing mm. can be more tragic than the comedy of twice in a row for having it in your own hands and blowing it. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm really hoping for is that they, they've, you know, they've got obviously recorded hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of film, and that they give it to Peter Jackson. You know, real kind of, you know, kind of Beatles-style documentary, really going into the detail of it and, uh, and giving us that, um, that in-depth look at, you know, maybe just the last month. But uh, 10 hours on the last month is exactly what we need. <laughs> who, who would have editorial rights over it? Because, I mean, that North London derby would have had, you know, the stadium was pumping. It was under the lights. You would have thought that would have had a good bit of um, background filming going on to sort of build up the occasion. They can't just go and trim that into it. Oh, yeah. And then we lost 3-0. It's... They will. Amazon will, Amazon will have final say uh, but that on, on, on the actual edit. But. Remember, they they will. It's a business transaction with Arsenal, yeah. and I'm sure that they are going to have to work with Arsenal for for approval. I mean, Arsenal are not going to let something out that makes them look like what they are. They're going to try and dress it up a little bit, you know. And we saw that with ours, didn't we? Where you know, Potts yes, was te- treated very very sympathetically, and yeah, you know, I think when it was announced and we knew it was being filmed, we were all a bit worried about what would be shown. You know, what would be shown of that Potch era and it falling to pieces, and. 
yeah, I think we were all, again, pretty relieved when it was done within about five minutes of the first episode. Which, by the way, was only done was only done to make the club look good. It was to not magnify how shitty they'd done. But this is a whole other topic of conversation. But Arsenal are going to have a similar level of control. There's going to be mm. bits of it yeah. where they're, yeah, they're not going to have carte blanche. They're not going to have carte blanche to say you can't show this or you can't show yeah. that. But there's a partnership there. And they are, they're, they're going to want Arsenal to come out of it looking okay aren't they and this this is yeah and this this um to listeners is 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 probably the biggest dilemma of this final day of the season is just how much of the arsenal amazon documentary all for nothing is going to include the truth uh because the truth is that arsenal blew it we didn't we took charge we were in charge going to the last game of the season here at norwich and we battered them five goals to nothing sunny joint golden boot holder Tottenham back in the Champions League where we belong right chaps mm-hmm. I know Gareth loves a, a love, loves a good stat so that's six seasons in a row Gareth that uh, we've finished above them you certainly could yeah having, having gone what 22 years without finishing a Above them uh, before uh, that, uh, this is this is uh, uh, the last bit is un, is, is irrelevant, Milo. No, no, you're setting the, the scene. You're setting the no, scene. No qualification. <laughs> we don't need any positive words about them at all. We we can we don't have to be magnanimous anymore, Gareth. We can just be huge, enormous dicks and say things like "fuck off" back to Woolwich, uh, <laughs> playing on a Thursday night because you're fucking shite. No, well, mind yeah. the gap. We can even say "mind the gap" at this point. I think, even though it wasn't that much of a gap, it was a big enough gap to see them finish fifth. Arteta signed a three-year this- contract. Oh, that was brilliant. How fantastic. How tragically weird was that, that Lego Head got a contract? And curiously, though, there are gooners who are happy that he's sticking. Who knows? Who knows? Let's not talk too much about them happy. other than just to gloat. I think, I think they're, a, they're a strange breed. They'll, they'll seek solace and hubris in, in, in something. But. They are a strange breed indeed. That's right. And let's leave it at that. They're a strange breed. We're not. We're an elite breed who are going to be playing in the elite European competition next year because da 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 we won five nil at Norwich. Thank you very much, chaps. Anyone else who wants to chip in with a final song or phrase, feel free. That's a resounding no, but you're all going to say, "What a great season, right? It's been a fantastic season, and what a great, great final game." Yeah. Final words on this Norwich match. Final words on this Norwich match as the music plays. But final words, let's have a positive and a negative on this Norwich match. 3-2-1. Milo, I'm going to you first. But the positive is that we finished the season as we should have done. Um, it's been a fantastic run-in. Yeah, we, we've really, 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 really held our nerve. And, you know, you think back, kind of March, we were, I can't remember how many points we were behind them now, but quite quite a few. And, you know, to really yeah, just hold it together and, and, and finish as we have is is really good. And as we said, we come to bury Spursy and... Um, we didn't need to because the team have done that and the negative there isn't one really that was uh you know good performance today finished off uh finished off uh a good season and i think what most of us would have asked for before kickoff was a relaxing afternoon and uh, and we got that okay um the positive for me was just the way we went about business right from the kickoff that we were we were on the front foot we we, we set our own agenda for the game and then we carried through with a with a really ruthless performance uh negative for me is that we can't play again and build on that 5-0 victory for another 10 weeks due to the uh, uh, quirk of the fixture list positive for me is um i think you know it's a clean sheet against a pretty null nulled attack but 
our defence has really turned into something quite incredibly solid under Conte and using not ideal tools. I mean, a lot of players in that defence have exceeded expectations and become, you know, like Ben the Block and and your favourite Eric Dyer, just excellent, excellent defenders this season. We've only conceded five goals in the last 11 games. That's why we finished top four. Mm. And they've all, you know, Sanchez has had to be called upon. They've all done amazingly well. Doherty, Emerson, um, Sessignon, like every single one of them deserves a, a huge round of applause for their efforts this season. Um, so that's my positive. And the only negative I can actually think of is the fact that Salah did get that goal, which meant that Son has to share his uh, his his award. But I I think, as we touched on earlier, when you take penalties into account, Son is the, the best striker in the Premier League this season. So even my negative yeah. is tinged with positivity. Golden positivity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look, it's really simple, isn't it? I mean, I think the positive is that we uh, that we took care of business today as we should have, as we were expected to, and as and, and we did. We just did it. It was as though the team uh, the team never looked they were the team never looked like they were in doubt. The manager never looked like he was in doubt. It made me feel far less in doubt than I probably would have been. And there was no reason to doubt. So that was the biggest positive of all. Um, and I have no negatives. None. No negatives today. This is not a day for negatives. This is a day for joy. It's an ode to joy. Tottenham Hotspur winning by five goals to nil at Norwich to secure Champions League football for the 2022-23 season. Gentlemen, thank you very much for what is the last regular pod of the season. Cheers, Steph. Cheers, Steph. We will, of course, be delivering top quality content to you throughout the summer. So keep your ears open. There is a season review coming up soon. And we have some pretty good stuff to keep you entertained during uh, that fixture glitch that Gareth told you about until the next time Spurs play a competitive football match or even a friendly for that matter. Um, so make sure you subscribe to the Games About Glory on your favourite pod platform to make sure that you don't miss any of it. And while you are there, Leave us that five-star review that you know you want to. As always, thank you for joining us. And, you know, we're going to see you next week for what will be the season review. Come on, you Spurs!